0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, the show covering all things health, wellness, culture, and more. The show for all of us who aren't old, we're better. Each week, we'll interview superstars, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all related to this wonderful experience of getting better, not older. Now, here's your host, the award winning Paul Vogelzang. Welcome. To the Not All Better Show on radio and podcast, I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is the place where we blend the grace of age with the zest of youth, diving deep into the stories that shape our times and define our wisdom. Today's show is brought to you by Acorns and Talkspace, and we're dialing up the charm, the wit, and a dash of espionage as we step into the world of an icon, a trailblazer, and a true testament to living life in full color. Our guest today is none other than Barbara Feldon, Agent 99 from Get Smart, along with a lot of other great work. But the enchanting Agent 99 from the classic TV series Get Smart is with us. And don't let the code numbers and the secret missions fool you. Barbara's journey is one of depth transformation, and a relentless pursuit of art, love, and understanding. From lighting up the screen with her effortless grace to penning the pages of her captivating memoir, Getting Smarter, Barbara's tale is one of constant evolution, a dance between the imagined and the real, and seen and unseen. In today's episode, we're peeling back the layers of this remarkable person, exploring the intersections of her life that have led her from the spy-filled corridors of Get Smart to the vibrant lanes of the art world and the reflective solitude of a writer's life we will delve into the laughter, the challenges, and the moments of serendipity with Barbara herself, guiding us through the narrative threads of her storied career. So, dear listeners, as we embark on this journey with Barbara Feldon, let's remember that every chapter of life, every role we play, and every line we write contributes to our own story of getting smarter, wiser. And undoubtedly better with age. So stay tuned as we uncover the secrets, the stories, and the sage wisdom of a woman who's lived a life as captivating off screen as it was on. This is the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. And I'm thrilled to share with you this wonderful, unforgettable conversation with our guest today, Barbara Feldon. Barbara Feldon. Gosh, and welcome to the program.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you so much. I, I have to say, like so many in our audience, I'm just this huge fan. I want to talk about your life, Get Smart, and this wonderful new book that you've written, Getting Smarter. But I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about... oh. Agent ninety nine in kind of a, a a grand sense we're all we're all familiar with Agent ninety nine quick witted um, always the best dressed very sleek in the moves and, and everything how did Agent ninety nine kind of help you really move with life's curveballs and all that you've had to deal with and. Just developing this successful, multifaceted career over the years.
1: Wow! Ninety <laughs> nine <laughs> uh, actually, the character mm-hmm. was kind of a bridge between the fifties woman and the later sixties woman, when <clears throat> the feminist movement kind of clicked in toward the late sixties. Uh, the show went on the air in nineteen sixty five, so it, it it was in the air. <clears throat> the change for women's status was in the air, and that's why I think Buck Henry and um, Mel Brooks, being the artists that they are, uh picked up on that, whether they would have actually you know conceptualized it that way. I don't think they did, but I think that you know writers instinctively know what's ahead. It's just like, I I don't know, they they pick up on the incipient signals of what's Mm. coming up. Mm -hmm. So, 99, in terms of the 50s, 1950s side of her, was very um, deferential to men, very, very careful to uh, avoid hurting their egos. You know, you see that in her character where she... She comes up with the right answer, but she gives Max credit for it, or he takes credit, and she doesn't <laughs> right. object. Um, and that's very nineteen fifties. I mean, you wouldn't do anything to upset the guy, and uh, your role was more uh, uh, adoring and supportive. And uh, but in terms of the more advanced woman, the more evolved woman that was going to, that was on the horizon already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but not probably in everybody's face yet. Um, as she, she had confidence in herself, and she knew she was smart. If She never would have to say that. If you asked her that, she would brush it off probably. Um, but she accepted her position. Uh, she accepted that she was capable, and uh, she was comfortable with that. And so that was, I think, a, a neat kind of balance that happened in that character. Later on, years and years and years and years later, they made a movie mm-hmm. of Smart a few years ago with Steve Carell mm-hmm. and Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. and they could, not, they could not write that 99. It was a different 99 because it was a different time. And they made her kind of. She would put down Max and that kind of thing. Um, I'm not saying they shouldn't have written that. I'm just saying that the times had changed so radically from the innocence and the the careful balance of um, of women and men in the mid 1960s that um, you couldn't deny it.
0: It really was. A very period uh, program and Buck Henry, you mentioned Buck Henry and Mel Brooks, the great Buck Henry and the great Mel Brooks and their writing. But you get credit for portraying this character with a lot of sense of empowerment and equality. Were you thinking that way at the time?
1: (laughs) No. <laughs> no, you've read the book. I was not. <laughs> yes. I I was enthralled to men. Uh. I was very much nineteen fifties. Um and ninety nine was way more evolved than I was as a feminist in the in the early years of the show. Uh toward the end of the sixties, the show ended in nineteen seventy. Uh toward the end of the sixties I had caught on. Um, I was very much on board with uh, the women 's movement um, um, by then, but uh, actually, I was portraying a character who had a kind of a land or you know a kind of insouciant kind of um, spirit that I did not have. I was very much the guy was the center of my life my career was not i'm not saying that putting the career in the center of life is a better thing, but i'm just saying there should be more of a balance um and uh, and it was only later. I mean, I was doing a job. I was an actor, and that was the role. I didn't write her, so I can't take credit for her. Um, <clears throat> but I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to embody her.
0: <laughs> we all are so grateful for that too, because it, it just—it's an, an excellent series. It really still plays well. I, I went back and watched a couple of episodes. Uh, you mentioned your book, your new book, uh, Getting Smarter a Memoir. And in the back of the book, you have just these wonderful photos that um, I've had a chance to go through. I, I just I love them all. I just want to encourage our audience to go pick up a copy of this book and check out the book, all the great stories from Barbara Feldon, but the pictures are fabulous too. I wonder if you have a favorite. I, I have a favorite and, I love the one of you and Don Adams in the mustaches. That's a great picture, I think. But I wonder if you have a favorite photo from among Hmm. those that you could tell us what it is.
1: Well, you picked my favorite. Oh, (laughs) okay. There were two times they wore mustaches, one when they were cleaning windows and Uh spying on chaos, Um, and they were workmen with these mustaches Uh and overalls. Um, But the the one I really love is the episode where we uh, played uh, Charlie Chaplin. We were in in a chorus line, and everybody was dressed like Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) And Max and I got trapped by chaos during that episode. And Max, thinking that this was the end, actually proposed to Agent 99. And they had their first. In mustaches, and um, and and, it, and it, that just amused me so much. And of course, when Max found out they weren't trapped, he he wanted to rescind <laughs> the, um, but he couldn't. Ninety nine was too smart for that.
0: He thought it might be the end there, and so he wanted to make that stand immediately. <laughs> yeah, such a great series. Well, post get smart, you have. Um, really had some amazing artistic adventures. I'll I'll kind of put it that way. What's been kind of the balance there between uh, dramatic arts and the creative arts in terms of paintbrushes and the art pieces that you've created?
1: I actually... I don't know. I, I think anybody in the arts can probably... Do anything in the arts, hmm. you know, if they can acquire the technique. Um, I I did take some courses at UCLA and drawing courses uh, after Get Smart went off, and I loved that. It was very kind of meditative, and it was also instructive. That I who whose um, drawings looked like they'd been done by a two-year-old with a <laughs> tablespoon. Um, <laughs> I I I could actually draw things that would look like like the real thing, and then of course our teacher, his name was Jan Stussy, who's was a great artist himself, said, "I hope you'll never do that. Now you know you can do it. You can let go of it and be maybe more expressive of yourself." and uh, N- not play by the rules mm-hmm. and uh, but art was re- that con- that area of art was really not my thing because I didn't like charcoal <laughs> I didn't like getting my my fingers dirty and uh, in terms of painting all those little tubes with all the little tops to be screwed on and off and um, no and it, it, it but writing was. And I'd been writing in journals since, oh my gosh, I was in my twenties, and um, and it was just natural for me to write every day. And so when I finally got a subject to write, I wrote a book called *Living Alone and Loving It*, which mm-hmm. is a series of essays on experience of learning how to live on my own and um, and how to to have a, a full life doing that. So I think that, and I think that everybody has some kind of creative instinct or something they want to express, and it's just a matter of finding the right venue to express it in. And with me, it's writing. And if it's an emotional thing, and I talk about this in the Living Alone and Loving It book, um I I would write storm pages I called them storm pages they were like committing murder on the page where I would be utterly utterly emotionally honest like a 2-year-old having a tantrum or and that's how I would get to the bottom of something that might be bothering me and uh it, and then it would clear up because it had been expressed and I I I could begin to process it and you know, bring it more into line with what real life is, not what a child's life is. So, writing was a natural thing for me, and um, and then of course that once you have one thing anchored like that, and why should you anchor? You could keep doing art and writing and everything. Um, I began studying singing and going to a lot of concerts and the writing led to reading and the reading led to more reading so that your life just keeps like a pebble being dropped in a lake. You know, the pebble being deciding on a, a an a, a avenue to follow uh, just keeps rippling outward and hour and outward and you never, you never get to the end of it, which is the beauty of it. You can never master any art uh, totally so that that is always there for you as a gift, that there's more, you know, there's more to experience. There's more to express. And I think that the arts are part of living fully. And I don't think it has to be an art, you know, like writing, painting, music. It can be something that people call hobbies. An uh, in, in interest in horticulture, you know, and, and just botany in general, and uh, that or astronomy, or I mean, the world is just so full of things to learn, and mm-hmm. that's what made the transition from being an actor, um, which was my in quotes profession, to living my life maybe more fully than that was this constant interest in things that led to other things.
0: Hey, it's Paul. We will be right back with Barbara Felden, Agent 99 from Get Smart and much, much more. So please stay tuned. You know, as we get a little older, all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience, we start to get more honest about ourselves. We get more real. Let's be real right now with each other. Investing can be intimidating, so intimidating that sometimes it feels easier to just push it off. If you can identify with that, today's sponsor, Acorns, might be just the thing to kick you into gear. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Acorns helps you automatically save and invest for your future. You don't need a lot of money to get started. You can even start by investing your spare change with roundups. The app even gives you access to education and guidance to learn more about investing. So important to us. Head to acorns.com NOB to sign up for Acorns to start saving and investing for your future today. Client Testimonial. May not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com/nob. Investing involves risks, including the loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns advisors. LLC. Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities LLC. Member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Hey, it's Paul. As I'm talking to you, it is gray outside. It's cold. It's not very hospitable weather. You know, for somebody who likes to be around other people and be outside, today's weather, which is going on for three days, is not cooperating. And it and it gets me down. Literally, I get depressed during these times. I'm just indoors all the time. I need other people. I need the fresh air. And when those things don't come together... It kind of stalls my progress. It stalls my outlook, my energy. This can kind of go on for a little while. And it's during these days and others that I've come to realize that talking to a therapist is helpful for me. Initially, due to stalling out my feelings, I didn't know how to get started. Our sponsor today, Talkspace, made it easy to find a therapist that I liked. I meet with him online, and it's very convenient that talking has helped me adjust and remain positive. Talkspace did that. It facilitated that and has made a huge difference in my life. It's accessible and affordable. If you think seeing a therapist or psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one and meet with them or afford them, try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. Why wait? Sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist. Why wait? You can get a therapist through Talkspace. Therapy can help you shift your perspective like it's done for me. It's helped me find tools to cope in difficult moments. It's been this guiding light. Getting started is the important part. Talkspace makes it easy And affordable. With Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist. From the comfort of your own home, there's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up child care or care for your grandkids, whatever the case may be, in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made Easy. One of the benefits, at least for me with TalkSpace, is that the online system lets you send messages to your therapist so you don't have to wait for your next session. TalkSpace is secure and private using the latest end to end bank grade encryption technology to store client information and complying with the latest HIPAA regulations and is in network with most major insurers. So, as a listener of the Not Old Better show, you'll get $80 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash NOB. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash NOB to get $80 off of your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash NOB. Thanks, everybody. And now... We will be right back with Agent 99, Barbara Felden. Our guest is Barbara Felden. The book is getting rave reviews online. I found one review that said, what a fun visit with a terrific lady. Such a great book. Can't recommend it enough. I just felt like the the book also showed this constant evolution on your part, and you write about this irresistible Frenchman that you met. What what did you learn about this man, and how did he have an impact on your life? And this was an important relationship. This was the man that you married.
1: Yeah, he was the man I married, mm-hmm. and a man who gave me the greatest adventure of my life. Um, and this is why I read the book. wrote the book because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. kind of a fun story. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to New York City, you know, from Pennsylvania. I grew up near Pittsburgh, but grew up, you know, in the suburbs. And came to New York with just this idea of, you know, the excitement of New York City and the romance that was waiting for me here. And within a couple of years, I actually met this glamorous I mean, he was gorgeous. You saw his picture. Um, a Frenchman. Uh, he was big French accent and so forth. And uh, he, he was, uh, he told me he was the, he, he was flying for Air France and grew up during the war and all these war stories. And uh, his father was in the, you know, the resistance in France and was killed. And and it was it, it, it was like I'd stepped into the most amazing novel, and I was one of the main characters. Mm. So uh, it, it, I, I was so in love, I can't tell you. And over time, their little red flags pop, popped up, and I kind of swatted them away, because that didn't fit in with the story that I was telling myself about this man and that he was telling me. And over time... It 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 got deeper into the CIA and the KGB, and I thought I was being followed by the KGB, and uh, and it was as you can imagine, a girl in her early twenties, having stepped into this wild world, how thrilling it was, mm-hmm. and um, what a big adventure it was, and. You know, as with all things that are built on fantasy, uh, (laughs) we could pretty much predict what was going to happen. But the way it happened, you know, would be something you couldn't predict.
0: Well, it's a fascinating story, and I really um, just can't recommend it enough to our audience. Again, the title of the book by Barbara Felden is Getting Smarter, a Memoir. You sound great. I, I know that you're 90. You're obviously very creative, still active, just having written this book. What is it that you do to continue this mission of wellness in your life and maybe share a couple of those secrets with our with our audience because I, we're all dying to know?
1: Um, you know something? I I don't pay attention to numbers, hmm. like age numbers. Mm-hmm. It's really how you feel, who you are. Um, I, I have a feeling that we're a little too addicted to numbers, but mm-hmm. I am too. I'm I'm as curious as anyone about how old someone is mm-hmm. because you want to measure yourself against them. Um, I've been very fortunate uh, health-wise, but on the other hand, <laughs> when I was um, in my early 40s, I was writing a segment for local PBS station on aging. And we were given all this geriatric uh, information. And, and it, there were the graphs showing that you age way more slowly if you exercise. Mm-hmm. And I began exercising that day. I think I was 42. And uh, so I've exercised most days of my life uh, for the last you know, nearly 50 years. Uh, And I I really think that was important. I gave up smoking early. And um, I'm, you know, I eat fish. So I'm I'm not a complete vegetarian, but pretty much the Mediterranean diet, but without any meat. Um, And so those are just the basic, simple, easy to do. Uh, daily routines that that i I think have contributed to how I feel you know and and what I can do today <clears throat> um, the other thing about getting older is that the older you are, the more experienced you are and the more you ha- more perspective you have to bring to the world and you can look at the world going crazy and stand back and say, you know, how, how, how could this be happening? And if you're interested in history, you can see how it's happened over and over and over again, how people do things that are not really reasonable. And so it's it, it it's also helpful to be able to understand that you can do to change things, you can do what you can do. You can, you know, protest or you can contribute or you can vote. Um, But ultimately on great waves of history, great waves of maybe craziness or, you know, irrationality that can take over people that there's nothing you can do, but you can watch it with interest and, and do, you know, whatever you, can think of to contribute to, you know, making the ship not rock so badly.
0: <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. You know, I mentioned the photos in the book, and you can also find some great photos on your on your website. We're going to have links in the show notes today so that our audience can find out more about Barbara Feldon, her new book, Getting Smarter, links directly to her website. I will say this too. Many of the photos are so stylish. You, you, you dressed well, and I, I wonder, are you, are you still paying attention? I know you modeled. Are you still paying attention to fashion? Is that how you'd like to be remembered? Is it for your art? What, what do you want to be remembered for all these iconic roles that you've played?
1: Well, first of all, let's do the fashion question. Uh, that period was such a fun fashion Era, you know that was mm-hmm. the the mod yeah. clothes and and uh, because I w- was a model, um, I was exposed to a lot of the best designers, and it was it was so much fun, you know. It was and and it was creative, you know. It was creative on the part of the designers, but it was also created uh, creative of the people who were wearing them, how they accessorize them, and just the fun of it. Um, we're living in a different time now. If you go out on the New York streets in the 1960s, you see these knockoff Chanel suits and Rudy Gernreich, you know, cutting-edge pop art kind of clothes. And you go out on the street today in New York, and yeah, and you pretty much see cargo pants and, you know, um, just sweatshirts and blue jeans and and sneakers. You know, I don't know where fashion is residing. It's certainly not in circles that I travel in. Hmm. And, uh, and it's a shame in a way because it gave life a sense of occasion if you went to the theater and you got dressed up. And, of course, nobody does anymore. So... So much for fashion. (laughs) In terms of being remembered, I never thought in terms of being remembered Mm -hmm. uh, for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like my book, "Living Alone and Loving It," Mm -hmm. to be able to be helpful to people, and I'm I'm happy I wrote that book. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know at the time how pleased I'd be to have written it, but I am because I know a lot of a lot of people have have responded to it. Um, I, I I don't think anyone gets remembered for very long. A friend of mine was having his hair cut the other day, and there was music on, and he had to say to the young barber, um, you know, that's one of my favorite singers, and the barber said, who is he? And, and my friend said, Dean Martin. And the guy said, who's Dean Martin? <laughs> and so that sort of tells you something about I mean, most people do know who Dean Martin is, but a few generations from now, it'll be a lot more, you know, who's Dean Martin? What was Get Smart? What was that? You know, so I don't, I don't feel that's an important, you know, thing to want. Um, if you look in the universe, you look out at all the stars and everything and you see how small we are, it seems like, you know, a, a small thing to... Uh, you know, we're all part of humanity, living now together, and that—that's the important thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, let's touch on yeah. living alone and loving it because I, when I look back on on your work and and have done my research for for our interview today, I, I found that there were an awful lot of very positive. Uh, high marks, great reviews for that book for many people who were living solo lives of their own who really identified with yours. And I think in the book you cite somewhere in the high 40s or maybe it's 50% of the residents of New York are living alone. So you really are serving a need here. This is providing some answers for people about questions when we live in, in an unpartnered way
1: yeah yeah no. I mean, it's basic principles too of reaching out <clears throat> I mean, we know biologically we're social creatures, mm-hmm. so that to have a happy life, and I believe that most of us can have happy lives um, you know, I mean, there are tragedies that are not happy, you know, and I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, it mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. But in general, I, but what we do need to be happy and we cannot be happy without is other people, you know, friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't have to be one single partner. And in fact, if it's only one partner, that's not good. It, I, I don't mean people should have several partners. I mean, that if that's the whole social life, that, that is n- n- not very stable. But, um, of course, the gold standard is to have your own special someone. Um, But if you don't have that, uh, you can be very happy having lots of special friends and being involved in communities, uh, you know, like some people, it's church communities or art communities or, um, you know, or just a circle of friends. And the other thing is being bold enough to reach in, and to, to know yourself, and to feel your feelings and not be afraid of them, and to, um, to develop all of the things that um, are in that unconscious area, that interior area, like expressing yourself creatively. And so I think with, with those elements... Uh, your happiness really is in your own hands. I mean, once you know what will lead to it, and I've certainly experimented enough to know that it is true, um, then it's up to us to reach out, reach in, and develop lots of exciting, interesting interests.
0: Well, you you are to be congratulated for all of this. At at ninety, still very active and engaged, offering these amazing insights. Your your new book, Getting Smarter. Uh, your previous book, Living Alone and Loving It. All of this is just great stuff. Congratulations. I I want to ask you a question though about a, a, an early question in your career from the show, uh, the sixty four thousand dollar question. I just, I did not know that story about you. I, I didn't, I, I learned a lot about you and it, it was all very, very interesting. And uh, you're so well educated. You've got such a great vocabulary. I wonder if you'd tell us, though, a little bit about the Shakespearean reference to that $64,000 question program, because that really was uh, uh, just a, a real eye opener for me that, that you were just the savant uh, with regard to Shakespeare. <laughs>
1: Uh, that may have been the public perception of it <laughs> It would have been very wrong. Um uh, okay. uh, originally they, I was, I was a showgirl. I was walking down staircases in sequins and brief costumes and, um, I, this $64,000 question people somehow discovered that by interviewing the showgirls that, um, I had graduated from college, <laughs> so uh, they asked me to be on the show, and I said no, and then I met the great Frenchman, and he <laughs> said, yes, yes, go on the show, I mean, think of something, become an expert, whatever, and I wanted to impress him, so I thought, well, one of my f- failed projects w- w- was reading all of Shakespeare, <laughs> which I still haven't accomplished, Um And I thought, well, maybe maybe if I got a complete works of Shakespeare and just memorized a lot of stuff. So I went in and saw the people who ran the show, and I said, you'd have to give me three months to just memorize uh, facts. Hmm. And they said, sure. And I thought, oh, okay, my Frenchman's going to be impressed with this. So every night after the show, I'd go home. And I would just start memorizing perfectly useless information about Shakespeare. <laughs> Anybody could have done it, you know, who had a reasonably good memory. And so it was—it was, it had nothing to do with Shakespeare. It had to do with you know, dates of, uh, of productions and characters in the plays and uh, just little London facts about the theaters. And I... Uh, And then they tested me and said, sure, come on the show. We're going to be good. So we went on the show, and the first questions were so easy Hmm. because, of course, they knew where my strengths were. And so I won, and then I just kept winning, and I I won it. (laughs) The whole thing. And, you know... And and this is one of the fun parts of the story, is what happened to that money and what happened to it very soon. <laughs> and very soon, it was it was like, you know, it was like something getting, like a rocket going up uh-huh. and then dissipating in the air, <laughs> visiting back to Earth. Um, so it, there's kind of a cautionary tale mm-hmm. about... N- n- not knowing what to do with money, and in fact, most people who win great amounts of money go through it very fast, and in some cases, it absolutely ruins their lives. Mm-hmm. And it didn't ruin mine. It could have, uh, but in any case, don't be don't be too impressed with my Shakespeare prowess, because <laughs> you know if you ask me a philosophical question about Shakespeare or something about the poetry I wouldn't have been able to answer that
0: it's <laughs> a great story well tell us a little bit about the Kona silence and shoe phones and Max's great sayings I mean some of those just have they they have lives of their own but I wonder the shoe phone in particular I, I that just is pressure now, that just presages so much of what we have today in our high tech gadgetry? I almost have shoe phones.
1: It it, it does. Yeah. They've improved on the shoe phone. Now we hold it yeah. in our hand, right? right.
0: <laughs> Did you see all yeah. that?
1: <laughs> I was invited to uh, the C CIA headquarters, and they were having a big exhibit of real spy far- uh, paraphernalia from uh, Russia. They weren't going to show their own. Mm. Um, and then uh, the spy props from movies and Get Smart and Man From U.N.C.L.E. and, you know, the spy shows that were popular then. Yeah, yeah and a guy from counterintelligence or counterterrorism told me that during the get smart years they would watch the show and then they would go in the lab and try to make those things work wow so it was it was life imitating art <laughs> yes and um and i suppose they had some success he didn't mm. tell me i <laughs> uh, yeah they I, I think the the thing that captured everyone's imagination was the shoe phone.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Yeah. And,
1: and it was silly and fun. And it would have been nice, too, yeah. if we'd had thing so then. <laughs> but now we have, oh, my gosh, look how far we've come. It's oh, amazing. Oh, my
0: gosh, yes. It is just incredible. Well you've been so generous with your time. I, I so appreciate it. Barbara Feldon, again, author of the wonderful new book, a memoir, Getting Smarter. I, I just have one final question for you. Maybe maybe leave us with, you know, kind of your funniest anecdote. If if there were a Barbara Feldon Hall of Fame, there needs to be, by the way, we need to have a Barbara Feldon Hall of Fame. What what'll be the most the funniest remembrance that you have of your of your long career here? Still going, by the way.
1: You mean uh, you mean uh, if uh, having to do with show business? Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, show business. I think that uh, just the
1: yeah, it wouldn't be so much funny. But uh, I mean, there are things that people don't know happen backstage, and they're just silly and banal in a way. But they add texture and sort of to the whole picture. Uh, I did the first five uh, laugh ins. Hmm. Uh, during a hiatus from Get Smart, we were on vacation. And so I did the first vibe. And uh, it was that wonderful, wonderful cast. And w- w- there was something on Laughing. Where there were little windows and people popped out of the windows. There was this sort of gag wall, mm-hmm. and remember. we were on scaffolding behind. Mm. And the window would pop open, and we would say our little joke. And it was tedious because it went on. And uh, I mean, to to photograph it, it was not done. That part was not done with an audience, and. Um, so it would take hours and hours and hours, and it was very exhausting. And then we'd have a dinner break, and everybody would go in the green room and turn the light out and just lie on the floor and sleep. So it was like it was like a sleepover in a way, only wow. in the middle of the day. And uh, that's what happens offstage um, when you when you see that a rerun of that, uh, you can imagine that. That's what we were doing.
0: Everybody's just taking a break. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, Barbara Feldon, thank you so much for your time for um, this wonderful book and for all of your work. You're uh, just a real inspiration and, and so charming. And I, I just really appreciate you being willing to, to join us today and, and talk for a little bit, indulge me and in my kind of my get smart nerdiness. But um, here's to age 90, and, and here's to maybe reaching. Age ninety nine, just so that you kind of parallel yeah. age ninety nine. I mean, I'm I'm rooting for more, but let's get you Hope there. So. But as you write thank more you. and be creative, please come back and join us. I really appreciate your time, Barbara. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Paul, and thank you so much for the uh, the uh, intriguing questions. <laughs> and Hope those are good. Really made me do some thinking, <laughs> and I really appreciate that.
0: Of course, well, thank you again.
1: All right.
0: My thanks to our guest today, Barbara Felden. Barbara Felden's new memoir, "Getting Smarter," is available everywhere. My thanks to our sponsors, Acorns and Talkspace. Please support our sponsors as they, in turn, support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful audience here on podcast and radio. Be well, be safe, and let's talk about better—the not old, better show. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week.